Hello and welcome to YAF Podcast, the yet another Final Fantasy podcast, a podcast where I go through each Final Fantasy game, section by section, chapter by chapter. And this is Season 5, Episode 10, which means we're playing Final Fantasy V, uh, more specifically Final Fantasy V Advance. So in the last episode, we got an airship, and that's, I don't know, that's kind of my recap for last episode, go listen to it if you haven't. Uh, and so in this episode, we're going to be kind of dealing with that a little bit. So I decided to fly around, and in my not-stereotypical fashion, I decided to explore and not really check the guide on what to do. After some time, I wasn't entirely sure what I needed to do. Um, I found an abandoned meteor or meteorite. I, I'm not really sure because the guide says one thing and then the newer English translation, I think, calls it a meteorite. There's a abandoned one um, in the middle of like a uh, an area that's surrounded by mountains and I have not been able to figure out um, what to do there. Um, like whose meteorite it was and, you know, just like anything that's going on with that part of the story. Um, I would need a chocobo to get it because it was surrounded by trees. But anyway, it, this this is a question I asked myself multiple times and I keep forgetting. Well, the thing is like I've flo flown around all these different meteorites and I keep forgetting where they all are until I found find them on the map. So it's possible I've gone to this one before, but it, it was just like... It actually landed. It wasn't like it crash landed like the rest of them. The rest of them have like a little streak of like, you can tell that they were, they crash landed at an angle. This one is like nice little neat corner where it landed. So I'm just going to go ahead and get it later. And I decided, all right, well, I don't know what to do. Why don't I go check out the, the ruins and go in town? And as soon as I started to fly over it, the entire... um the entire city started to rise above ground and fly away. So we've got our stereotypical Final Fantasy fortre uh, flying fortress. Yay, this is it. Uh, it was Gone Town that basically became, or that was, you know, it was the ancient ruins, and now it's flying ancient ruins. Yay. Before I get to the next part, I decided to change the classes on my characters, and this is not going to be the last time. Uh, I decided, to, decided that if I'm going to have a very full gameplay of this game i'm gonna try to update and upgrade the classes as i see fit like whenever uh, i get a new one so i'm not gonna stay with the same classes i'm not gonna look up the best build i decided to just kind of like try things out when they're not working and ferris's mystic knight wasn't really working for me uh, most likely i didn't know how to use a mystic knight correctly so I went with Ranger. I've been wanting to I've been wanting to have a character that shoots bows and arrows, and I was so excited when this became an option. Um so the Ranger has like that one special power which is aim. Um so she has the ability to yeah, I actually don't know what aim does. I think it just like shoots stronger attacks to mo to monsters that are um further away from you. This is when I realized that Final Fantasy V also has a row system. It's just not the same as Final Fantasy IV, where I think everybody, you you can either have two characters in the back or two characters in the front, and you can switch that alignment, but there have to be two characters in the back or front if you have a full party. In this one, you can actually just move them one by one, just like you would in, I think two had this mechanic? No, two didn't have a row mechanic, did it? Three? Did three have a row mechanic? I don't remember, but anyway, the, it's per character. So I switched her to, to a ranger and sent her back. Um, I updated uh, Galef to from a time mage to a bard. Uh, the time mage w made a really amazing um, 
combination with the Berserker earlier in the game. And by the way, this is like some stuff that I'm starting to like nerd out about is, is these classes. And that's not something that, uh, th this was like a source of such source of anxiety for me when I started this uh, podcast, but now I'm actually loving it. So having Galef go from Time Mage to a Bard was really cool, um, but not because uh, Bard is so cool, but like, I guess the, the different combinations are really fun. So when the Time Mage was, or when Galef was a Time Mage, it worked really well with like using haste with the Berserker because you had the Berserker just constantly attacking heavy attacks and also being like time boosted so that, uh, he's even stronger, right? With the Bard, uh, I decided to, I decided that I wanted to try it out and like, it was kind of a shot in the dark, um, hoping that it was based off of how like the Final Fantasy three Bard worked. And I really liked Final Fantasy three Bard. Um, so, and, and it kind of is, you have, I think like three, you have like multiple songs that you can sing. And I think they're based off of the harps or songs that you learn along the way. Um, the friends that we make along the way, right No, And so, yeah, so it's based off of those harps. And so it, I was just kind of spamming at the, at the, at the beginning of any battle. I think it was the mighty March, which like restores some health. I actually don't know what the rest of these attacks do. So I should probably like do something about that, but I didn't, I decided that I can just do all the bard, bard stuff and still be able to do white magic. So I can cure all of my, yeah, cure all, all of my characters as I go along. And I actually enjoyed that. I enjoyed ha being able to cast a, a strong cure spell to cure my party, but also uh, run something like Mighty March, which would have the characters restore the, their health periodically anyways. It's not a lot, but it like makes a difference and it feels like it's nice to like prep my party and support it with Galef. Um, so after the ruins flew away, I decided to land back in base and go talk to Sid and Mid and I encountered them. Um, we find out that the earth crystal is up in those ruins in the sky. Yay. Um, we find out that the ancient Ronkents used the earth crystal to make their town float. So this was like the, the same way that I think was Karnak used the fire crystal to uh, power their ship and power their technology. The ancient Ronkins used the earth crystal to make their town float. <laughs> and I, I have notes here about that one meteorite that has like no explanation. I'm like, oh, I wonder if they'll eventually teleport us off world. Um, no, no, it won't. Is it a spaceship that'll take us away? No, no, it won't. <laughs> anyway, so um, the Ronkins ended up sh shutting down their crystal because they realized that it was destroying the Earth crystal. Um, and the first thing that kind of like went into my head was that, is this why the town is in ruins and there's a desert right off of Gone Town? Uh, so one thing that I guess the canon about the crystals, let's say even from like Final Fantasy one, is that if the crystal is being, I think, misused or is gone, it can turn the land where it was into like barren, barren land or like a desert. So maybe that's the case here. Maybe that's what that's what happened there. But anyway, basically, the thinking is somebody went into the ruins and turned on the crystal. So that's what happened. Uh, we have to get up there somehow. Bart asks how um, the floating ruins are up above like the area where the airship can go. Uh, that's when Sid and Mid tell us about adamantite and that if we get enough adamantite, the sheep, ship will be able to fly higher, but he, we have to get more. So they'll basically build a, will build protective plating around the ship so the ship can go even higher, which, doesn't entirely make sense to me. What are the harsh elements? 
higher up, if you're already flying above mountains. You know what? I don't know. So that's when we leave that the the where Sid and Mid were at. So Sid and Mid st stayed at the ruins at Crescent Island, or as as it's called in the um, guidebook, Catapult. I don't know why it's called that, but it's the area where if you like, it's it separates uh, it separates the ocean from like the rest of the ocean that's in the Crescent uh, on the Crescent Island. Um, there's like a um, a metal platform or something like that that opens up and allows a ship to fly in or fly out. And so this is this is our base of operations at this point, and it kind of harkens back to like the Final Fantasy II base of operations because there's a lot of flying back and forth like back toward this base and away from it and so on and i have i have these notes i, I was playing late at night and it's kind of funny but i had this these notes about how I, I really love the idea of base of operations if the base of operations are actually interesting so i like the idea of like secret bases that have their own secrets this is kind of like uh, well, yeah, it's kind of like TARDIS in from Doctor Who, where it is like infinite secrets and weird stuff inside of it. I guess that's not that's not a good one either. Now that I'm thinking about it, the best example I can come up with is from the Harry Potter franchise, like Hogwarts, where in in the second book, right, like. Hogwarts is supposed to be this castle that's of safety, but it's full of secrets and weird stuff and secret passages. And, you know, in the second book, there's the basilisk or whatever. So I like this idea of like having a secret base of operations, which is this underground ruins area in, in this game. And um, I kind of wish that there were more secrets to explore in that, in those ruins. Um, that's one thing. I don't know. It was just like a weird side note that um, that's something I enjoy as a trope. And I, w I actually wonder if that's going to show up in any of the Final Fantasy games, something like that, because they they really do come close to that idea of you need to discover your own base of operations because it's hiding secrets. <laughs> then I have a weird note here about there was a show that I watched as a kid and it was about a magical bucket. <laughs> It was a bucket that you could jump into and it would shrink you down. And then that bucket is filled with like everything under the sun. And the whole show was basically like, hey, we need to solve this problem. Jump in the bucket, take out a tool that you need to fix it. And then you solve the problem. I don't know. I, you know, I should, I should uh, pre-read these notes. Um, that was just a really weird tangent, I guess. Anyway, just really liking this part of the game. <sighs> Mid and sit, stay behind and... We are basically, we're going to go around um, all of the different meteorites and collect our adamantite there. Uh, and, well, the first thing that I thought about was where our old chocobo went. And I remember that the chocobo went back to the chocobo forest or maybe maybe somewhere else. What's kind of cool is that you can actually look up on the map and see all of your like modes of transportation where they're at. The wyvern is somewhere somewhere in the middle, if I remember correctly from the beginning of the game. Uh, anyway, so get to the meteorite uh, by the Kingdom of Tycoon and meteorite opens uh, because Gala figures out that there's a switch that he can trigger and it opens the door and we go inside, we grab it. And so this is like the spaceship which is weird because it also has a teleporter. Why does a spaceship have a teleporter in the middle? Like, that's weird. Anyway, grab the adamantite. And as we try to leave, we get attacked by a boss, the adamant adamantoys, or um, I don't know, it's a tortoise. So adamantus, adamantus, I don't know. But it's a tortoise made, made out of uh, the adamantite. It ended up being a fairly easy fight. So 
I found, I got myself into a strange place in the game at this point, and it's that I'm finding it not necessary to grind. Um, I think I must have over-leveled at some point, and this was a super easy fight, and several of the next like boss fights that I go through are easy fights as well, which is just like super surprising. Uh, I typically... No, well, not typically. I guess in this game, I didn't have to grind too much, but it did feel like there was also always like this big hurdle of difficulty, like, oh my god, I'm barely going to make it. But in this case, Adamant Adamantus was an easy fight. But then, you know, fly back to uh, our base of operations, uh, Sid and Mid get working on our ship. Well, there's a silly cutscene of Sid and Mid like running around in the ship, uh, like banging on stuff uh, as they do in these games to to signify that somebody's working. <laughs> They're always hitting something. Bart wakes up at night uh, and we're inside a four bed bedroom in the ruins. Uh, so the ruins actually have like sleep, sleeping quarters at this point. Um, there, you can kind of see like a lab and a bookshelf off to the side. Um, and I, I remember wondering like if I could get there and I could, I think in the future, but not during any of the cutscenes. So sit and mid enter lights turn on or whatever. Like it's not night anymore. Um, the ship is done. Uh, they tell us that the floating ruins have a defense system. Uh, the party's like, hey, whatever, we're just going to destroy the defense system. What a big deal. And I fly up there and I dodge the cannons. But then if I find out the idea is not that you dodge the cannons to get inside the ship. It's that you go fight every single cannon and disable it and then land the ship. That didn't really make sense to me. The game made it feel like it was almost like a shoot 'em up Is that the, the genre? Um, where you're like looking at your ship for overhead and you have the, the enemy ship above you and you have explosions going off so you're thinking okay I gotta dodge all these different things no the idea is that you're supposed to attack and fight every single one of those um, and this is when I when I felt like I needed to go grind but when I started playing again I realized that it wasn't that I was under leveled it's just that like my strategy wasn't the best at that point I ended up just destroying all of them like it I just destroying uh, I think it was four sets of cannons um, two cannons in each battle so four times to eight 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 individual cannons um, that I had to attack and you kind of like go up to one and attack it and then you go up to the next one and so on uh, defeated them um, then there was a huge middle cannon that opened up and we have to go fight it uh, head-on uh, I remember uh, that saying thinking that like it was not an easy fight but like in retrospect i think i had like one death in all of this going on which is surprising and i don't know it definitely i think i'm expecting the difficulty of this game to hike up the same way that it did in final fantasy 3 where you're doing fine you're doing fine and then all of a sudden you're hit by an enemy and you have to spend you know six hours grinding before you can uh, attack that enemy again so that's that's not been the case in this game and maybe because it's it's the gba remake it feels a lot more balanced and less punishing um and i think in a good way I think in a good way. Uh, so that's when we—that's when I fly in. Uh, so like after destroying this new middle cannon that shows up in the middle of the ruins, uh, there's a spot where you can like land in, um, and it's the, it's the ruins, right? Like the the Gone Town is supposed to be a perfect replica of our home base. So we do kind of ha get to explore the secrets of our secret base because this is supposed to be the mirror of that secret base, um, and it's a maze. Yeah. Uh, and at this point, I'm 100% over mazes, okay? Like, they're cool, okay? I can't fault 
Square Enix for putting these putting these mazes in there. Or is it just still squares? I can't I can't remember. Uh, I can't fault them for putting all these mazes in. They get a little bit annoying, but they're also kind of cool. It just really depends on what the mood you're in. And I'm like 100% over it, but also I I would not want to not have this maze in there. Uh, one of the common enemies that shows up in in the ruins, and you kind of you can kind of tell that I have not mentioned really any enemies whatsoever. Like I mentioned bosses, but I typically don't mention any of the uh, lower level enemies. But in the case of this this one, I feel like I have to. They're the Ronkin Knights, and it makes me wonder if the like. It's the, the monster cannon in Final Fantasy is strange. In some g- games, it's kind of like, oh no, these monsters just suddenly appeared out of nowhere. What's going on? Or there's an evil, evil emperor slash, you know, lord slash king that unleashed these monsters on the world. And sometimes it's kind of like, no, this is just, this stuff just like exists out here. I mean, what do you expect? This is what life is like. With the Ronkin Knights, is it that they didn't look mechanical? So does that mean that the Ronkin Knights existed in the ruins the whole time? Is this like, okay, so there's a tale in in my home country, in Czech Republic. And it's a tale of this mountain that houses a uh, an army and a saint. And I can't remember the name of the saint. And basically, if our country ever comes under attack or something like that, or or is in a really, you know, crappy place or something, um, the mountain will split open and the uh, the soldiers soldiers will run out and they'll be led by the saint. And I don't remember the, na- the saint's name. I think it was a king of some sort that died a long time ago. And they're supposed to like run across the country and free uh, free us, right? Like and defend our country. So I'm wondering, is this is this a, a trope on that? Right? Like, is is this is this what it what it's supposed to be? That you know, the the this castle in the sky. And if you've never seen that Ghibli movie, go look it up. <laughs> Uh, this castle in the sky, you know, does it have this ethereal um, military that, like, is resting in some sort of stasis? I mean, they're they're Ronkin, right? They're supposed to be an ancient, highly technological civilization that disappeared. Like, did they create some kind of stasis for a military to defend their last, like, ruins? We don't, like, we don't really find out. I don't think any of these monsters really have much lore to them. So I finally made it through the maze. There was a statue with a button between them and they opened stairs to below. And that's when we see the King Tycoon. Yeah, uh, Lena's and Ferris's dad. And there is a clapper claw blocking him from going further, which is a weird name for a monster. Uh, but I believe that's the name on the SNES. So in on the GBA, it was called an Archaeovis, Ar- Archaeovis, Archaeovis. Uh, so King Tycoon actually steps uh, aside and lets us fight Archaeovis for him. Yay. Uh, we ended up killing him and it was revived. And at that point, I was focused on the battle because it was like it was not a hard battle. But, like it had required a lot of attention. And I love boss fights that require attention. So I wasn't reading the text, but there was like text above. And I think it was King Tycoon basically babbling on about like, this is the true power of the crystals. So we killed the Archaeovis and it's, it gets revived. And that's when King Tycoon's like, that's the true power of the crystals. You know, this is what can happen. And I'm like, what are you talking about? So I kill it again. And it's like, it's gone. That's the true power of the crystals. I don't know. Um, as 
we like leave the battle scene. I don't even remember Archivus, by the way. Like, I don't even remember what kind of fight that was. Um, again, like Final Fantasy doesn't feel like it's known for memorable monsters and bosses. Stories, yeah. Characters, no stories, yeah. But Ar- Archivus, whatever. Archivus, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. So King Tycoon pushes us away and runs off, basically past where th- that that monster was standing and, and blocking. Uh, the Earth Crystal should be like right, but right, the Earth Crystal should be right up ahead. So we walk into another crystal chamber. So now it's like a pretty standard look. Every single crystal chamber has like uh, stone ground that's overgrown overgrown with moss or something um there's like a main place where the crystal goes and that main place actually looks more like a an egg nest it reminds me a lot of like alien uh in a way like the these greens and the these like darker colors and the mix between organic and technology it reminds me a lot of like the alien or borg from star trek like a maturation chamber for a crystal. <laughs> That's when Galef tells us that King Tycoon is being controlled. So like it now it kind of makes sense why King Tycoon was running away, but who's he controlled by? Uh Bart and Galef tried to go after him, but both Ferris and Lena stopped them, and then King Tycoon tells us that he's just going to destroy us all. So, you know, Ferris and Lena are like, "Hey, I'm I'm uh worried about my dad." And, like they don't talk about it, but you know, that's probably why like they stopped Bart and Galef. Uh and then that's when a meteorite falls down and it makes a hole. <laughs> like a meteorite falls down, the whole palace shakes, and it makes a it makes a hole in the chamber. And who comes in? Some kid and attacks uh, King Tycoon. And that kid is Galef's granddaughter. <laughs> he doesn't remember her. And then there's like a big emotional scene. And then he remembers. And I think he remembers like everything at this point. Uh, her name's Krilly or Krilly or Krill? Krilly. Uh, I think I mentioned her in a flashback earlier in this season. So Ferris, Lena, and King Tycoon are down during this cutscene. And then, then they get up and Krilly hit um king tycoon with thunder and now i'm kind of wondering if krilly will replace replace galef and her uh, party or you know what's going to happen there but king tycoon wakes up looks like he's no longer controlled he has a reunion with ferris and he's like oh you're my daughter sarah sisa or whatever her name is Uh, and their earth crystal breaks there's some like really intense music and I, yeah, I turned on music uh, for this section of the game. If you know anything about me, you know that I mute my games and I play them in silence. And I like to play my like own music or watch a TV show while I'm playing a game. And there's like this really intense music. It sounds almost like Final Fantasy VII. So it's, that is actually an r- interesting comparison. And I'm wondering if, that, if that's because the GBA remake leaned heavier that way or if the SNES Final Fantasy V original game kind of was a good precursor to some of Final Fantasy VII's own sounds and melodies. Um, there's a lightning that hits one area on the planet a bunch. I think that's where the one lonesome meteorite fell down. And then we find out they were, I guess, hitting the ruins and X-Death shows up. Yep, that warlock. He's back and wants to use the crystal shards to destroy us. Uh, the crystals are scattered across the chamber and they somehow like create this weird electric... Um, I'm going to say electric fence, but Bart tries to go after him. The crystals fire on him. Um, that's when X-Death leaves. I believe he leaves for his home planet and, yeah, tells Galef his world is next. 
Uh, King Tycoon tries to make it past the crystals, but keeps getting hurt. And there's more intense music. And then he keeps trying to go through. He makes the crystals be okay. And then he collapses and then he dies. <laughs> it's a really nonsensical part. It looks like he's just like running up an electric fence trying to get it to like finish stunning him <laughs> like what i don't know um the crystal shards get absorbed we get a few more classes we get a samurai which i changed my let's see i changed bart's into samurai there's a dragoon dancer and chemist um and dragoon oh, i should i need to do that i haven't done i haven't changed any of my characters into dragoons yet uh, the ruins are falling down and um, the cast runs away toward the ship. The ruins fall down over where where the town used to be. So maybe maybe when the lightning was hitting, it wasn't in that area either. I don't know. This is just getting confusing with that lonesome meteorite. So on the ship, we have Ferris and Lena mourn their father's death. We're flying in the ship. Bart talks to Galev, who now remembers everything, and we kind of get like a little bit of a backstory to what's going on. So X-Death is from his world. Uh, 30 years ago, he came here to destroy this world's crystals, because I guess he wanted the power of them. Uh, Galev and three others formed the Dawn Warriors, not to be confused with the Light Warriors. And they sealed X-Death with the crystals. Uh, something happened with the crystals. And so the Dawn Warriors took the meteors and traveled to Earth to basically figure out what's going on. And that's when all the crystals started breaking. I believe that this is when we get a little bit of a backstory also where we find out that, um, you know, Bart's is kind of upset that the humans have been overusing the crystals and uh, possibly unleashed X-Death this way. Um, whereas Galef is, is upset that um, him and the Dawn Warriors basically left this really dangerous creature on a completely different planet far away from where they lived. Uh, we ended up arriving at Krill Krilly's meteor. That's the lonesome meteor. But see, I thought that the... I thought... Okay, rewind back. I thought that the lonesome crystal was already there when Krilly arrived. Unless she had already arrived in that, in that meteor and then somehow traveled to the ruins... Maybe when the ruins fell down, they fell down in the original spot because they traveled across half the planet during our fight or after our fight. Like, I'm having a hard time with this because I it made it look like the ruins were fly, flying above where Krilly landed, right? Like, and that, could, that would kind of make sense. But then the ruins fell down where the town originally originated from. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so Galef and Krilly decide that they're leaving to seal X-Death. Bart tells Galef that he's going with him. But Galef is like, no, this is the last meteor. There's not enough energy. And he says, no, like you can't go. Galef and Curly say bye. And uh, there are two meteorites that fly into space, which was confusing. But I think it, there's there's this weird thing where you have the meteorites, right? But they also have these warp little tiles that you step on to be transported somewhere. So did they use that warp tile? And we saw two things fly into into the air because that that was them being transported but we like there are no two meteorites that fly up it's only one but it, for some reason in the cutscene it looks like it's two anyway so that's like as soon as we land um after this the entire party agrees to go fight x death because galef is one of them and we go see sid and that's it for this episode um this was a long episode this was a lot of like there's a lot of plot plot heavy stuff which makes it Takes it, it, it takes longer to go through the episode itself. But the cool thing is that it keeps your attention more. You want to keep playing it. You want to keep finding out what's going on. You're spending less time kind of like aimlessly wand wandering the planet 
wondering what you need to do, it's a lot more uh, straightforward to me. And I, I enjoy that. I enjoyed um, very much being having these like guardrails of like, where do I need to go and how do I make the, need to make this happen? Uh, I don't have a lot of, uh, you know, I don't have a lot of um, things to predict at this point. I think I've made my own predictions as usual, where X-Death is not really the evil, it's somebody behind him. Uh, X-Death also reminds me of that magician from Final Fantasy 3, so I kind of... I, I see I'm seeing a lot of Final Fantasy 3-esque like elements in here and that is actually what I'm gonna expect to see more of just like in Final Fantasy 3 you thought you were on one continent and then all of a sudden you're open up to this whole big world it feels like th that's gonna be the same case in this game where we have you know one small world and then it's gonna open up to be an even bigger world bigger than what we imagine. Um, I, I mean, that trend also followed with Final Fantasy IV with like the lunar missions, but it, it's uh, it didn't entirely feel the same way. Anyways, that, that's it for this episode. Um, join me next time as we figure out how to make our way off this hunk of rock and uh, rejoin Galef and, and Krilly on their adventure. Um, this is it. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash podcast. Follow me on Apple iTunes because I believe they're changing their language to be follow instead of subscribe. And yeah, uh, leave a ra uh, rating and review if you can. I would really appreciate that. Bye.